Good morning, Mountain Park. So good to be back with you. I'm so excited to be preaching in the Comeback Series. It's great to be in church together. I know it's, it's different, but we're, we're doing it, and we're actually being able to worship in different places and be together. So thanks so much for being here. Why don't we go ahead and jump into the Word today? We're going to look at um, the Comeback Series. We're in another week of that. Uh, and I believe the Lord has laid on my heart something for us as a church. So uh, why don't we go ahead and jump to Acts, go to the second chapter of Acts, that'd be great. Um, and then we're going to look at verse 42, and we're just going to see what the Lord is bringing to us through his word. I believe he wants us, he's calling us back to being his church, not just being in person, right? That's one thing. We, we use this word church so, so almost flippantly, right? Like the building is the church and coming together for church, um, well, often with my kids, I say, you know, we're upstairs in big church. That, that's not necessarily what they're talking about. The church is us. It's the people. It's the gathering of, of the saints. And so um, I, when I thought about talking about the church, where better than to jump to the beginning of the church? So that's why we're going to go to Acts 2. And we're going to take, take a look at what the church was at its beginning and how it grew and what we can learn from them to come back to being the church. So let's go ahead and jump into uh, Acts 2, verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing a meal, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They loved their possessions, or they loved, they sold their properties, sorry, and possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals together with great joy and generosity and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come together, Lord, the church is so important to you. You call it your bride. You call it your body. And so teach us how to be your church. We want to come back to being your church. So Lord, guide us and lead us. Let your word form us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I believe that we are being called back into being his church. This is a great season. I think um, we've had this, this amazing opportunity to take a pause throughout this quarantine season and say, what are we about as a church at Mountain Park? Yes, the church as a whole, the universal church, but the local church that we are rooted in to grow. How do we come back to being the church as Jesus Christ has visioned it? It's his vision. So we must go to him and find out what he wants to teach us. So I want to look at two things that he teaches us about. Simply just two things that he highlights in this passage about what it looks like to be his church. 
And so number one, we see this. It's, it's a church of submission. It says this in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. I'm going to break this down into two things that, that submission to Christ is about. It says that they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. What are the teachings of the apostles? Well, paramount in the teaching of the apostle is the lordship of Jesus Christ. And this is something that we can see throughout scripture constantly. Turn with me, um, Colossians 1, 18. Paul writes this. He, talking about Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Ephesians, Paul can, uh, writes to the church in Ephesus. He says in verse 1, 22 through 23, God placed all things under his, Jesus, feet, and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We have to understand that um, when we want to be the church, the first thing we have to do is submit ourselves to Christ. See, it's so easy so often, uh, the North American gospel has simplified Christ as Savior. Now, he absolutely is Savior, and you and I, we need a Savior. And the good news is, is that everybody needs a Savior at some point in their lives. So we all love Saviors. We all love the person who shows up and saves us from dire need. We have stories throughout our lives where somebody showed up and they pushed back the bully, they beat up the bully, they, they stopped something from happening, they helped you accomplish something where you weren't able to accomplish it. And we all love that. That's why the gospel is good news because Jesus is the Savior for all. But we can't rest there alone. He is Savior and Lord. And the gospel is clear that He is Lord, that, that clearly the apostles' teaching begins at the place where it says that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And so if we want to come back to being the church, we have to go to the point where we begin saying Jesus is Lord. And so the question for you is, in every area of your life, right? Because King of Kings, Lord of Lords, we don't get to compartmentalize that and say, here's, you get to have my Sundays, but everything else is mine. We actually have to allow him to be Lord over every situation. And one thing I love about what Andrew has taught our church to do is he proclaims this statement. That he places himself under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He places this church under the lordship of Jesus Christ. His family under the lordship of Jesus Christ. His marriage under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We actually need to do this. And the practice, I think, is not just thinking it. It's actually proclaiming it. There is something about us speaking the words that makes a difference. That acknowledges I am not alpha in my life. I am actually under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and I bring all that I have under his lordship. This is the first step in the apostles' teaching. And we see this evidence through two things that the early church does. First, it is a church that prays. Let's look at a couple passages. Matthew 6, 7. Jesus is asked by the disciples, um, how to pray. And he says this, when you pray, it is an assumption 
that you as a believer will pray. His example is that he often goes off by himself and he prays. The early church, read throughout Acts, prayer is a key component. Uh, The letters, clearly, they constantly are saying, pray with one another, pray for me, I pray for you. It is a part of a healthy Christian life. But if we're honest, right, we worry more than we pray. We get anxious more than we pray. And the the discipline for us is that we would actually learn to pray more than we worry. This is is Matthew 6, again, where, where Jesus is teaching us not to worry about the things of this life, but actually pray about them and trust the Lord. Prayer is about trusting the Lord. What does our life look like? What would a church look like? What would Mountain Park look like if we could really take our concerns, and they're real concerns, not like, oh, that's not a big deal, just trust God. No, 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 no. A lot of us are carrying heavy things. We don't know answers to the things we're we're walking into. What would it look like, though, to have the trust in the Lord that we could bring our prayer to him, right? It's Philippians. To bring our prayers before him with thanksgiving. And he promises that the peace that transcends all understanding, it will guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. Man, what would the church look like if we, if we could practice that? And I'm still, I'm still learning that. You know, I often like to do more than be with Jesus. I like to do things. But prayer so often is not the doing, it's being with Jesus. It's, it's our ability to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. So we see that the church, it prays. Oh, I love Matthew 21, 13 says this. Jesus is quoting from Isaiah. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer. Prayer is so important. Jesus quotes of the Old Testament that the house of God will be a house of prayer. We need to get back to being a church that prays. I need to be a person that prays more than I talk. And that's a hard thing to do for me. I talk a lot, ask my wife. I need to be one who prays more than talks. I know before I make that phone call, I put my phone down and I call my Jesus. And I talk to him about that. See, we see that prayer is a key component. Then we see praise is a key component. Go ahead and look with me at verse um, 27. All the while praising God. Now he's kind of ending this statement. Luke is writing this, this passage and he's ending it by saying they are praising all the time. This is why at Mountain Park we believe in the culture of worship. We believe of singing God's goodness. It is a discipline and, and men, I get it. If you're like me, you're not a singer. My, my vocals are bad. My wife, my wife likes to poke fun at me because I just change octaves. If I can't hit a high note, I just go lower. It works. Um, but worship is such a key component of our lives. And here's why. Just like prayer is trusting God, worship is placing our trust in him as well. Because what we're saying is this. Here's my situation. Here's what I'm facing, but here's what I'm going to proclaim about your character in the middle of whatever I'm doing. If it's good or if it's bad, I'm proclaiming the goodness of God. And so worship, singing out his praise, is a biblical thing. 
I know, I had to actually learn that it was biblical and that I should do it. And when I do it with a sincere heart and worship him in spirit and in truth, through songs, man, something shifts in my spirit. And I see God for who he is and my problems become smaller compared to my God. And so I want to encourage us. You know, we have worship night tonight. Come out to that if you can. You know, put on some worship and worship the Lord at your home. You know, there's lots of options. So let's make sure that we are a people of worship. Because if we want to be like the early church, submission to the Lord comes through prayer and worship. Because when we place ourselves under the Lordship of Christ, we actually, we see him for who he is. So we go to him with our concerns and we worship him because he's bigger than our concerns. Next, we see that Jesus, um, oh, sorry, the apostles' teaching is what they submitted themselves to. It says they devoted themselves to it. If we want to be a church, if we want to come back to being his church, we need to submit ourselves to the apostles' teaching. So what exactly is that? What does that mean? Well, it means scripture. It means the teachings of Jesus. It means the apostles' Uh, letters to the churches, it means that we submit ourselves to the whole scripture. Let's go ahead and look at a couple um, different scriptures. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus teaches, right? He teaches about building our life on the solid foundation of what? His teaching. And if we build our life on his teaching, we will be like a house built on a rock. But if we don't build our life on his teachings, but on other things, then we will build them on shifting sands. And when, when the sands of life, like, like this season, when the sands of life shift like we didn't see it coming, everything starts falling apart. But the promise is, the shift is going to come to everyone. Those who build their life on Jesus' teachings and those who don't. The difference is, is that our life, when we build it on Christ, will not crumble. And so we need his teaching in our life. We need the gospel. We need the full counsel of scripture to inform us. Uh, turn with me to Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is what Paul writes his, his apprentice about the power of scripture. And we must submit ourselves to this. It says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God that's you and I may be thoroughly equipped for every good work here's what's important to understand when they submit themselves to the word of God as the church they are not coming in with this concept of here's how I understand it they're saying form me with the truth we have this really bad concept in today's day and age where we actually inform scripture. We get to say what it says, but that's not the way that the original reader would read it. They would receive it and it would inform them and their life would shift and come in alignment with scripture. This is what we need to do, church. We need to break the idea that every interpretation is equal to interpretation. That's it's not equal. We need to come back to the authority of Scripture. And the authority of Scripture is what forms our life. We don't get to dictate 
what happens. We submit ourselves as followers of Christ. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, we must come to the word of God and we must follow what it says and we must allow it to inform how we live in every area of our life. The beautiful thing about scripture is it almost touches every single area of your life and those it doesn't, it implies that it does. It's so good. It teaches us how to be better husbands. It teaches us how to be better moms, dads, uh, wives, uh, owners of businesses, you know, those who work for others, brothers, sisters, friends, this neighbors. All of it is covered under the, the scripture and it informs us and we have to allow it to do what it's meant to do, which is form us into the likeness of Christ. And so we see, these are the two things we must submit ourselves to. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, you cannot follow, call yourself a follower of Christ if you're unwilling to submit yourself to lordship of Jesus Christ. You're unwilling to bring yourself under the teaching of scripture. That is not a follower of Christ. Next, we look and we see what this church does. It, it doesn't just submit themselves to teaching, right? Because you can do that alone. You can lock yourself away in a room, in a library, and learn as much as you can. But that's not what the early church only does. It submits itself to Christ. It submits itself to the teaching. But it does it in life together. So I want to look at life together according to what is going on in Acts. And so it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That word there, fellowship, is a word called koinonia. Now, when I was growing up uh, after church, the only thing I knew what koinonia was, was the, the pastor would always say, now let's, let's join in the, in the lobby for a time of koinonia. And I thought, that's not a word I know. And, and when I looked at this, the word fellowship is actually, it's a Greek word. The, the word is koinonia, which means common ground, a common time, a common uh, place to be together, a partnership. And so what it's saying is this, we need to actually be together. We need to be together when we are being the church. Now, yes, I get it. I'm talking to you over uh, a computer, so that makes it a little bit more difficult, but I still believe that we can be the church in this way. It just might take a little bit more work. And the truth is this, being the church, being together isn't easy. It's something that we desperately want and it's been preached for years on end in the North American church, but it's something that seems to be elusive to us. We don't seem to do it well. We seem to like to be in our little pods and do our own thing and come in on Sunday and leave and do, do programs together, but not necessarily live life together. And I want to propose to you that the way they lived in the first um, century when the church was born was very different than how we do it now. And if we want to come back to being the church, we've got we've to change some things. And I think the Lord is inviting us to do that. Because I think a church that lives together is what the world needs. It doesn't need better programming, uh, a better product that we produce. It needs people who actually love each other deeply and share life together, good and bad. And so here are three things that I believe the early church did that we can learn. So first they did this. Look at, look at Acts 
um, 2, uh, 42, it talked about fellowship and koinonia, fellowship together. Here's something my mom taught me about being present. That's the first point. They were present with each other. They were in fellowship together. They ate together. Yes, the Lord's Supper, which is a beautiful time together to celebrate and remember what Christ did, but they also celebrated food together, just ate together, just were in communion together. And here's, here's something that my mom taught me. I remember growing up, uh, we went through a really hard time. My sister went through um, cancer and dialysis at a very young age. And uh, it really was hard on my family. My parents separated and uh, my mom was kind of just left trying to lead this family going through so many difficult times. And in that time, she found Jesus. And Jesus became real to her. And I don't know the change in her life because I was three years old. Um, but I know from the moment that she gave her heart to Jesus, we were at church all the time. And then our family consumed by Jesus. He, it was a Jesus-centered home all the time. Any problem came up, we prayed about it. Anything came up, we talked about scripture about it. We were at church all the time and we, we were just a Jesus-centered home home. She had been transformed by the love of Jesus and the partnership of Jesus and the leadership of Jesus in her life that we were all sold out to church. We didn't have a choice. And listen, it wasn't, I did not have a choice. And my mom, my mom made us, uh, taught us this, that nothing came before coming together as a church. So we were a huge sports family and I would play travel sports most seasons of the year. And my mom said, hey, you can play whatever you can make and we'll, we'll find money for it. Um, and then, so I played soccer, I played hockey, I played basketball and we would travel all over the place. But she made one rule. You do not miss church unless it's an overnight trip that you can't drive back for. If you can drive back, you will come back to church. So every Sunday morning, no matter what the tournament was, I had to be back at church in the morning for, for it. And I remember being so embarrassed that I would have to explain how I just was there Saturday, not there Sunday morning, and we're back for the playoff games. It was very strange for my team, and I always had to be like, well, I, I'm, I, I, I was at church, and they were like, what? And I was, so, I was just I, I was so embarrassed as a teenager trying to unpack that. Um, and I don't know that I knew this um, then, and I don't even know that my mom meant it. I always make this joke. I say that my mom, when I had kids, my mom just magically became way smarter. <laughs> um, but here's what I realized looking back now. I realized that my mom taught me this principle. That being present in church is more important than anything else we do. There was no job I was allowed to have that would make me miss church. There was no sleepover that I went to that my mom <laughs> wouldn't drive to early, even if I stayed up till 4 a.m., pick me up at nine o'clock so I could be at church. She taught me that being present at church is a key component of being the church of Jesus. And I think we need to get back to that. I think um, we need to put a value on saying we need to be together. Now, again, it's funny, right? Because I'm talking to you over the internet and we're not together. But it's not as important the receiving of the word, but it's the community we have. And so it may be harder 
for those of us who are online to connect, but we still have to be diligent about being present with each other. Because the truth is this, right? We've all been present somewhere, but absent in mind or emotion, <laughs> right? Like a lot of times when I was growing up, I wasn't even present at church. I was physically there because my mom made me, but I was way off somewhere else wishing I could be at that tournament. But the truth is this, is that it begins with being present, and then number two, it moves to being engaged. We need to be engaged. Um, we see this, that, um, that Paul gives us this example in Romans 4. Turn with me to, to Romans, uh, sorry, Romans 12, verse 4 and 5. Now to one who works, or Sorry, turn with me. I got the wrong one there. So I got to turn in the Bible. Um, it says this, verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a specific function, so it is with Christ's body. We, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. This is an important concept. We matter. This idea in North America where it's just um, the, the hired staff that run things and some others. It's called the 80-20 principle. 20% runs 80% of the church. That is such a messed up model. That's not right. We are called to be a body. We need to function together. And if you think about the body, it's so intricately tied together that if it's not working properly, the whole body knows about it. If you don't agree with me, think about the last time you stubbed your toe. <laughs> Something so small, and yet it feels like you just exploded your whole body. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I stub my toe and it's like I'm, like I'm on the ground like I just got shot. Something so small is so intricate to the, the well-being of our whole body. And so for us as the church, we need to understand, we need to be engaged I have gifts that the church need. Not because I am a on-staff pastor, but because I'm part of the body. You have gifts that are needed. And yes, you might be at home online, but, but you still need to use those gifts for the betterment of the local church, the global church. You need to use those in Mountain Park Church. We need to know what our gifts are. We need to serve and help each other and, and provide for each other. We see that this is what's happening in that church. They are seeing each other's needs. They are bringing their, out of their generosity, they are helping each other. This is what we need to be as a church. But to do that, we actually have to be engaged in each other's lives, right? Like we have to be present, not just in the church building, like sitting in chairs, but we actually have to be present in each other's lives. We have to be engaged in each other's lives. And that leads me to the last point, which is this. We need to be real. Probably the number one critique about the church and Christians and religion is that we're not real, right? Because here's what we do. We come to Christ and we know that in Christ we have all we need. But we walk through life with real pain. Things we face really weigh us down, right? 
Like I know the stories. We're, we're walking through it as a church. And, and although so often we try to put on our best face, sometimes that actually hinders what God wants to do. We need to be real with each other. Look at this. Verse, um, verse 44. All believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and property and shared the money with those in need. Here's what I want to propose. The church needs your brokenness. Look, I do not want to bring my brokenness to church. Here's what I want to do. As the pastor, I want to bring my giftings. I like the, I like number, the point number two about life together. I like to be the one engaging, helping others, serving others. I like, I like to be the one who's helping the hands of Jesus. But here's the thing. Sometimes what the church needs is actually my brokenness, my need, the struggle I'm walking through. Galatians 6, 2 says this. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. How can people carry my burden if I keep it to myself? How can people carry your burden? Like if you're at home now and you're walking through things and there's such brokenness and no one's reaching out to you but you just feel alone. We have to learn to bring our brokenness. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't know really how to do this. Brought up English, we keep our stuff to ourselves. We don't talk about it if we need help. We just grit and bear it. But that's not the gospel way. That's not the early church. We need to ask each other for help. Here's a perfect example. I can't remember what was going on, but we were walking, Jess and I and our family. It was just one. We had super young children. We were stressed. I, I was, I believe, going to church at night. Jess was so stressed. The kids were young. The house was, was a, a disaster, and it was just like the kids were going crazy. It was just a bad day. You know those bad days? It definitely was like a February, but it was like a bad day. And someone texts me out of the blue, and they say this, you're on my mind. Is there anything I can do for you and your family? And man, I... Even like coming up with this story, I was so ashamed because I felt like I should be able to handle this. That I shouldn't actually share this story because it's embarrassing. Because here's what I texted after 30 minutes of wrestling with it. Um, I, I texted that person. Like, and it still makes my skin crawl because I can't believe I did it. I texted, it would be really great if you could bring a meal tonight. Like, and I feel so guilty even saying it right now. It's so funny. But you know that person did that? And you know it was a real blessing to our family? It was just something that was just, we needed it. It was small. The person might not even remember it. But it ministered to our soul and to our family and to our taste, taste buds. It was great. Um, but that's what we need as a church. Can I encourage you? The church needs your engagement and they need your gifting because we're the body and we work together. But it also needs your hurt because when the body is not healthy, it's not functioning properly. 
And the most, the, one of the silliest things, we all have, we've all done this and we all have friends that do this. When people are hurt and they say they're okay, it looks silly. You're like, you're not okay. No, no, I'm all right. Nope, you're walking, not okay. No, 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 my knee's all right. No, you should sit down because you don't seem all right. Right? But often that's how we, that's how we live as, as a church. We come in hobbling and we act like we're okay. And then the whole body pays for it because we are interconnected. We need to break off this lie, this lie of culture that says we are independent. We are not independent. We are dependent on the Lord and we are actually in a healthy way, codependent on each other. That's why Paul gives us the example of a body, absolutely dependent on each other. My mind, the mind, the, the head is Christ. The thoughts come from Christ, and then we respond. Look, I'm not thinking about moving my arms, but I do. Because that's how it's connected, it's healthy, it's working properly. This is how we need to be. We need to be connected to Christ, submitted to him. And then as he leads us and guides us, the body responds. But if my arm is hurt, if my arm is not present, or if it's present and not engaged, it doesn't move. It's not functioning the way it should. This early church is functioning as it should. And watch what it says in verse 47. It ends and it shows what happens when the church functions like it should. It says this, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those being saved. Amen. This is what the church should be doing, is seeing people saved. But let's be very clear that the one doing the addition is the Lord. Our job, like John 15 says, is to abide in Christ. When we abide in Christ, the fruit will come. The fruit comes from Christ, not from me. Salvation comes from Christ, not me. I need to preach the gospel. You need to share the gospel. You need to reach out, be the body, love each other, love those who are lost. But the addition comes from the working of the Holy Spirit. Let me invite you to close your eyes. And I want you to envision what Mountain Park would look like if we could submit our whole life to him as a community. What would your life look like if you brought your entire life, your business life, your home life, every area, every thought under the lordship of Jesus Christ and under his teaching? And you brought yourself to the word of God each day. And instead of it being a checklist, you allowed it to be a chisel to form you into the likeness of Christ. And then what would our church look like? What would its influence be in the community if we were able to be the body as Christ has called us to? Living life together, bringing our needs and our generosity, our gifts, and having them bless each other. You know, it's so amazing when someone meets a need I have that I can't meet. It is like a breath of fresh air. And it is so beautiful when I can do that for someone. 
This is what the church is supposed to be. Us together, bringing our needs and bringing our gifts and serving each other. Jesus says this, and I read this in closing. When he's, wa- he's just washed the disciples' feet, it's kind of like his final dissertation to the, the disciples, and he says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. We all know it, right? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This, we use this so often for the influence of the church in in the community, but we actually, it begins, Jesus is saying this to his disciples about loving his disciples, each other. We as a church need to have the love that Christ have. He says this, I give you a new command, love one another as I have loved you. Christ is asking us, Mountain Park Church, come back to being my church and love each other as I have loved you. Jesus saw all of the warts and the shortcomings of his disciples and loved them even more. He loved them in their brokenness. He loved them in their need. He loved them in their gifts and he loved them all. And we need to do this. This, he says, will be the defining factor of those who follow me. Love for one another. A church that loves each other in the way that Christ loves us will be a beacon of light in a community, in a time of hopelessness, when there is, there is a lack of hope. I believe we're being called back to be in his church one that loves, and don't get me wrong, clearly Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, to love those that are not followers of Christ, but right here, he is teaching his disciples that it starts in the walls of the church. It starts within the community, being present with each other, sharing in life together, and loving each other even when it's hard. Imagine a church like that. I think what we would see is we would begin to see the fruit of what the early church saw. The New Testament church where people were added because God was moving powerfully. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to be your church. God, there's so many books out there. There's so many resources of how to be the church. But what we want to do is come to your word, be formed by you. Mountain Park wants to be your church. We want to come back a reminder of what it means to be your church. Teach us, O Lord. Form us into your likeness. Teach us how to love each other like you were saying that to your disciples. Thank you, Spirit of truth, to lead us into all truth, that we're not actually left orphans, but we actually have you, Holy Spirit, to teach us how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm I'm fiercely selfish. But in you, Christ, I think of others more highly than myself. So do the work that only you can do, Lord. We want to be your healthy body, working as it should in submission to the head. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Well, thanks again for joining us um, online. It's great to be able to connect in this way, and I hope that you are edified by the Word of God. And if you need anything, please reach out to us. Like I said, we need to be present, and as it's online, sometimes it's harder to be present because we're not physically in the building, but we still can do the work to be present together. Thanks so much for coming to church today. Blessings, and uh, have a great week.